This is One in 59, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 59 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning, I think I'm probably talking to the guest who is calling in from the farthest away that we've ever had on this show. And uh, her name is Mary Rose Sweeney. She is an Associate Professor in Health Systems Research at Dublin City University, calling us today from Dublin, Ireland. Mary Rose, thanks for being on the show. Good morning, Eliza. And uh, you we're going to talk to us about some really exciting news happening in Dublin uh, at Dublin City University, where you are, again, the Associate Professor in Health Systems Research. The, the university is working on becoming the first designated autism-friendly university in Ireland, for sure, and we think possibly the world, probably by nature of the way in which you're going about doing this, because I know that in the United States and in, in many other countries, there is a sort of a movement thankfully, um, around universities and businesses and, and many different um, types of organizations and, and communities thinking about how they can be more autism-welcoming, autism-friendly. But the university is going through a specific process, I think, which might be, we think, maybe the first of its kind. So without further ado, can you, can you tell us the story of what's happening? Yeah. So around January 2016... We announced our intention to become Ireland's first autism-friendly university. Mm -hmm. And that was through a unique collaboration with As I Am. And they're an awesome advocacy organization based in Dublin and also with specialists there in Ireland. And they are a recruitment um, specialist company who offers support for people trying to gain employment and and work placements in college um, for people with autism. Uh, So we were kind of starting with a blank canvas at that point, and we decided the best approach was to take an empirical approach. So we wanted to do some research to inform the initiative. Um, And we started out by looking at what is happening internationally in this space through examining the peer-reviewed literature. Mm -hmm. And then we also did a massive troll through websites of a lot of universities in the UK and in the US, because we knew that that's where most of this activity was happening. And then we also took a scoping approach to look at our own campus, at, you know, what are we already providing for students there? Mm-hmm. Um, what are we not providing? And what are the gaps? And so we thought the best way to do that was to actually talk to the whole community. So we took a whole campus approach. So we talked to students with autism through an online anonymous survey because we know that they are sometimes reluctant to disclose who they are. So we felt that was the best way to reach them. Um, So we disseminated that through our disability and learning support services, but we also disseminated it through the general student email so that anybody who hadn't already registered with the disability and learning support unit would also be able to take part. Um, we also consulted with the um, general student body about what they knew um, about their peers with autism and what their thoughts about those students were. And we also talked to academic staff right across the campus, across all of our um, different faculties uh, through focus groups and one-to-one interviews. And we also talked to support staff. 
So people who support students in getting employment, who support students day to day with stress, with anxiety, you know, those specialist um, disability units. Uh, we talk to catering services. We talk to uh, library services. We talk to our accommodation services. Um, so basically anybody who we felt had regular contact with students, um, and, and particularly if they had regular contact with students with autism. And we also talk to the, um, the Office of Student Life, which would be our students' union and student ambassadors and class reps. Hmm. So a very, a very wide consultation um, through different uh, means of gathering data. And then we did a, a sensory audit of the campus. So for that, we actually enlisted some students who had a diagnosis to do a walk around the campus with us looking at, you know, many different aspects of... We, we have a number of campuses, actually, which we, we, we walked around, we developed an audit tool, and we looked at things that would be, you know, sensory irritants for for those students. So, you know, the, the most unusual things uh, popped up there, like how annoying it can be for them. Certain smells, like even walking into the dining area, mm-hmm. the smell of chips, uh, potato chips, you know, could be really irritating for somebody or just even having a projector on in a room could be perceived as a very high pitched sound for some students Mm -hmm. some some different coloured walls like red was problematic for some students and then really innocuous things like a chair that didn't have any padding on it at all or it didn't have any nice soft pads on the legs of the chair you know if the chair was scratched along the floor that could be a real you know problem for for some students so yeah so we we put all the information together. Yeah. As you can imagine, that was a fairly big exercise. And then we tried to draw sort of some sensible and practical uh, conclusions from that. All right. So we're going to get to those conclusions in just a minute. But let me ask you a couple of, mm-hmm. of questions around what you just shared. This, uh, I, I wish I had been able to be there. That sounds wildly interesting. How many, how well, many you're people... Very welcome. You're very <laughs> welcome to come. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely put <laughs> in for that at work, my, my upcoming trip to Ireland. So I guess I would love that. Yeah, but no, I'm... I'm from the States last week, actually, so yeah. I'm sure, it's, and, uh, and I... It's doable. I, uh, I think, um, so I, first of all, it, it just sounds like a really cool, cool project, and, and I'm, and, you know, as a member of the community, as a, as part of a, you know, working for an organization that provides services daily to children and uh, adults on, on the autism spectrum and knowing their families, I think that this is just wonderful, so let me just say that. Second question would be, when you talked about sending out those surveys and, and talking to students, what is your student population at, at uh, at the university, how many people, maybe, I guess maybe how many people are there and then how many people responded to the survey? Yeah, so we have 17,000 students currently in the region of that. Um, we know that we have 44 students who are registered, but we found um, stu- some students who weren't registered at all who took part. I think 44 students in total actually took part in the survey. Okay. From from who identified as being on the autism spectrum or overall? Yes, okay. Yes. And then and oh, then approximately ha- approximately how many students from the general population also responded to their survey? Yeah. Yeah, not we didn't get such a good response rate there. Mm-hmm. It was it was in the region of 2 or 300. 
Okay. And um, so, you know, uh, there's work to be done on, on that aspect. Well, no, um, you don't, you, yeah, I mean, surveys are surveys are always tricky like that. I just wanted to give a sense of, of you know, how how wide the net was cast and then what kind of information you got. But it's still, you, you obviously got good information because you're going to talk to us in a few minutes about some outcomes that, that happened. Um, but before we get there, you, you, you did some research, you did an international peer review, and then you also sort of, you said trolled, which I, I love, you trolled the UK and United States universities. Can I ask you... Were you surprised by anything that you saw when you did that international peer review and also looked specifically at universities in the UK and the US? Was there anything that, that stood out to you that you either thought would be far more along uh, advanced or 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 was um, or was more advanced than you thought it would be? There was certainly a lot of activity and I think in recent years that was really ramping up and there was definitely an increased awareness of the need for you know, more appropriate services and awesome specific services. But I suppose being a researcher myself, I was struck by how little evaluation of services had been undertaken at this point. Mm. So, I, so I think that's the next journey and um, certainly that's what we'd like to do when we have embedded all of our, our um, action plan to look at whether the you know project overall has met um, what we set out to do. I so, think, yeah, I so think I any yeah any good research and any project needs some sort of assessment. So that's actually interesting. I, I hadn't heard that. That's not something that I typically look at, but it's good to know that you know it's only it's only one part of the work to put in the supports um, because things change and opinions change and also in order to make them really effective, you need to know whether they're they're working and having an impact. So that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have a couple couple minutes before we take a quick break. Let me ask you about your um, your tour with the students around the campus. Did you did was there a general feeling that that the students were appreciative of the opportunity to give feedback on this on this very sort of personal and individualized topic, or was it uncomfortable? What was the general feel if if you had the chance to go on the tours? they were very reluctant mm. and I think it just really highlighted for us how fearful they are of disclosing mm. um, in fact we didn't actually get any of our own students to do it so we these were students from other universities who had autism who um, had links with the advocacy agency who agreed to come in so I think that was really telling yeah yeah, for sure. But not it didn't. But it it didn't stop you. It didn't it didn't stop things in its tracks and say, okay, well, we're not getting a response and people don't really care. It, it, you continued. We continued because through the questionnaires, we knew that you know there was a lot of unmet needs, and they were telling us what they wanted, but they just didn't want to identify who they were. Mm. Um, they you know they identified that they wanted to have their own, you know, we have all these clubs and societies that they would like their own club and society for themselves and their allies. And we set up three different expression of interest evening sessions for them to come along. We had them in a nice, you know, isolated, or like, oh, not, I wouldn't call it isolated, but, you know, a part of the building where they would they could slip in and out easily without right, being private. identified. Sure. And, yeah, private. And we had, we put on food for them, but we still only got one person who was who was willing to come along. Wow. Um, some, some people's siblings came along and some people's friends came along and said, yes, they really want it, but they don't feel they can 
pop along here this evening. So I, th- I think that told us a lot. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm again, I'm glad that, that that told you a lot of and you did something with it. And we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you to talk to us about what you did do with that information and then how things are progressing and what's changed. This is uh, 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. Did you know that 1 in 59 people are diagnosed with autism? Perhaps you know and love someone impacted. Here at Anderson Center for Autism, we'd love to help. Our mission is simple, to optimize the quality of life for all we serve. So what does that mean exactly? It means that we customize education and therapy plans to help each student and resident soar. It means that we hire top professionals who know how to unlock potential. It means that we utilize technology and evidence-based practices to cultivate unique strengths. And most of all, it means that we bring unwavering optimism and compassion to every person with whom we work. In every moment, we see an opportunity to bring our mission to life. In our classrooms, our residences, our recreational and vocational skills centers, out in the community and along the paths of our beautiful campus. Whatever the backdrop, at the heart of all we do is an unmatched commitment to optimizing the quality of life for people with autism. We love our work and we're here to help. Learn more at andersoncenterforautism.org. That's andersoncenterforautism.org. Welcome back to 1 in 59 the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And today I'm speaking with Mary Rose Sweeney, all the way from Dublin, Ireland. Uh, she's the Associate Professor in Health Systems Research at Dublin City University. And they are, uh, ever since back in 2016, have been working towards uh, becoming the first specifically designated autism-friendly university in Ireland uh, and potentially, possibly the world, although I haven't done that research specifically, but I have not also heard of any university taking it on to this level and in this particular manner. So uh, Mary Rose, when we when we broke, we were talking a little bit about the number of surveys that were sent out to glean information and then the small number of people who responded as, you know, identifying as being uh, being on the spectrum. And then some of your outreach efforts to get people to come on the tours and to do the walkthroughs and to come to some sort of forums. And really, you you um, you said that it was it was minimal at best, maybe one, and in certain cases, no one was willing to come and and sort of publicly say yes, I'm one of the people who responded on the survey. So you went about getting your information in a different way. But did you did you hear from anybody even through email or or phone or however you were communicating as to why they were not comfortable? coming to a, an open forum or, or coming on the tour itself? What did people tell you? Yeah, in fact, you know, that, that came out of the surveys that um, some of the reason, at least for the reluctance in coming forward, was that when they had disclosed in the past that there had actually been an adverse outcome. Um, so they were further isolated or alienated from that group um, and that people were fearful. Um, so, you know, that probably didn't inspire confidence about coming forward. Um, and even, even I think the mere fact that people are afraid to disclose to the disability and learning support units, the very units that are government funded to be there to support them, I think that speaks volumes. And, and you know, the results of fear about disclosing to their, their, their lecturer. But, you know, I think, I think hopefully what we're hoping is that our project will change that 
that if there's a, a top-down and a bottom-up approach, so our, our, our president, our university president is very much behind this project and at every opportunity he talks about how DCU is awesome-friendly and also there's all this work and awareness and information sessions and emails uh, about the fact of friendly. I think that will create a cultural shift mm-hmm. and, you know, a, a small green shoot a couple of days ago where a, a work colleague told me that she had two children with autism and she actually said, you know, I wouldn't have felt that I could have divulged that before uh, here, but I do now. So I was really encouraged by that. I would be too. I think that's a huge positive outcome. And uh, probably, I love how you called it a green shoot, especially since it's springtime. I want to see more of those. But uh, <laughs> but definitely a step in the right direction. And, and clearly to me, um, again, and a large part of what I do is interact with families on a regular basis. And some of them have children who are newly diagnosed and some have children who are elementary age. Some have children who are adults. It really does serve to inform uh, anybody who's listening to how difficult this can be and how socially isolating not only being on the spectrum or having a loved one on the spectrum can be, but also being in an environment where you do take a risk and you put yourself out there and then it's not received in the way that you want it to be received. That can live with you for such a long time. To me, it's, it, it's important for those of us trying to affect change to sit with that and let ourselves feel that because um, otherwise you can kind of brush it over and say, oh, but we're doing a good thing. Right. We're doing a good thing. And you're, you're definitely, I think, you know, trying to create a culture in the, in the university that will be better for everyone. Um, but never to take away the fact that it re- this is a real thing. This is a real struggle for a lot of people. And, and so I, I'm, my, my wishes are with you um, as you continue to see some success. Now, I want to shift gears and go a little bit more concrete. Since 2016 and, and in your work today, what changes have been made other than, you know, the, the president talks about it, which is huge. The leadership being open to it and being supportive of it is always a good thing. But are there changes that have happened on the campus that you want to talk about or? Yes. So we, we appointed a coordinator who uh, is pretty much working full time on this over the next three years to embed the changes. So firstly, I'll, I'll just tell you what, what we did with the, all of the data. Yeah. So we developed a, and adopted a set of eight new principles for an autism-friendly university. And so, you know, they're obviously quite lengthy, but I'll just give you the gist of them. So the first one is about encouraging and enabling students to transition into university in the first place. Uh, the second one is about supporting them and building their capacity to be able to meet the academic challenges of the university life. And the third one is about, you know, building their capacity to meet the social challenges of university life. Uh, the fourth one is about seeking to establish Dublin City University as an operational environment that is friendly towards students with autism. And the fifth one is about working constantly to reduce stigma about autism and to recognize and value their, you know, their diversity. Um, the sixth one is about building understanding and knowledge across the whole community, uh, so students and staff alike and visitors and people who come in and do, you know, short-term things in the universe that everybody would have an awareness that, you know, this is what we're trying to do. And then to allow students to, to establish channels for students with autism to have a voice in all aspects of university life so they can input into into things that are important for them. And then to increase their employability 
and to develop, you know, their soft skills for transitioning beyond university. Um, and I think even since we've developed those eight principles, we've come across a few more in our, in our work that probably, you know, could be added and, and, and will be important as well. Um, so, so then we have developed an action plan of 43 separate actions that now will underpin the eight principles and we're working towards implementing those and you know I'd say we're about a third of the way there at this point because it is a three-year project uh, so there is all so they're not all physical changes so mm-hmm. a, lot of them, a lot of those are cultural things um, embedding that culture and those principles um, but we have we've been very lucky we've been given funding to um, get two sensory pods for the university mm-hmm. which are in both of our libraries in a quiet room so I mean they're they're absolutely beautiful spaces for students with autism who are registered with the disability um, and learning support unit can actually just pop away slip away in there and just take out a bit of quiet time if they need it there's also quiet times now being provided at all the student union events the orientation which is the first you know, day when students come onto the campus and very noisy and very overwhelming is now being live streamed. So if those students don't feel like they can come in on that day, they're not missing out on a whole lot of important information. Oh, then, that's you know, a great getting, idea. Okay. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And then if I'm getting phone calls all the time from, you know, people around the campus, which is telling me that people are listening and they are mm-hmm. taking note of this project. So recently I got a a kind of a panic-stricken phone call say, oh, we're about to paint our corridors blue. Is that okay for your project? So that yeah. told me that, you know, yeah. people are taking on board these things. And as obviously, obviously, we want the project to be as cost-neutral as possible because we don't have any big funding to embed it, that as infrastructure is being routinely updated, that people actually just do it in in that you know in light of the projects they're, they're taking um, consideration of of uh, the sensory issues arising, yeah. um, and I think I think that's happening. Um, but I don't think I mean I've been working in academia for about twenty five years. I've never had an international response or indeed a national response to any project that I've ever worked on um, that was greater than this project. We are now linked in with the universities in the UK, the US, Germany, Australia. There's a few others that I, have, I can't think of on the spot, but it's 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 gone very wide. Well, I think that you you know I think you've got the sort of magic. All the pieces are there. You've got one thing. One thing you didn't say, but I'm going to say it because I, I always am struck by this. Those eight principles that you first started with, every single one that you read to me or that you said, struck me as that would be that that is, that is designed and, and thoughtfully created to be supportive for somebody on the autism spectrum, and it is a better way to have everybody experience, you know, entry into college life and navigating the social changes. This is not all exclusive. It it, is specific to supporting people with autism, but it's also doing good and right things for everybody who's who's going through a massive transition. And and no matter how you slice it, in whatever country and whatever you might be facing or, you know, whether you're neurotypical or you're on the spectrum or you're struggling with something else, change into from from a from a family sort of high school or secondary school life into a college university life is comes along with challenges and so I think that it's very practical and applicable for everybody which often makes things like this 
do exactly what you just said and take on a life of its own and get bigger and bigger and bigger because everybody can relate to it. The reason why the paint color thing, you know, was was relatable for those those people thinking about painting their corridor blue is because it's concrete, it's real, and it's relatively easy to stop and say, oh, should we choose a different color rather than being on this plane where where it's you know it's it feels so difficult and only you know you know the answers. So to me, it's a beautiful thing. You are creating a culture change. And and it's probably ideally going to impact everyone, faculty and, and staff and uh, families and all of the students in a positive way. So I, I think it's wonderful. I am not surprised that it's, it's being um, that others from, from many other countries are, are taking notice. We took notice, um, you know, and we're Anderson Center for Autism and we're not a college. And we took notice because it's intriguing and it's interesting and it feels very much like the right direction to be moving. So. Um, I wish you the best of luck. I think um, I, I can't wait to hear to hear what else happens. To be honest, thank you very much. Um, yeah, and I could just say that uh, your point is really well made about the universal design of this project. That nobody will be adversely affected through all of these changes, right. and that was you know that was a key principle for the university as well, and a concern of, of others who you know who, who would ask that question at the beginning of the project. So why did you choose um, autism? Um, you know, there's lots of other um, students who have difficulties as well but I think I mean that's our answer that is, this project will benefit everybody I think it's great I can't wait to hear more about it so um, for more information can they go to the is there a website for the university that has information about this yes and we, we're on Twitter actually okay. um, the awesome friend the university project at DCU um, I, if I email you the handle actually that might be the best thing because I just don't Great. We'll, we'll, we'll put that out there when we when we post our uh, post the interview. And I have to finish up. But Mary Rose Sweeney from uh, Dublin City University becoming the first autism friendly or designated autism friendly university in Ireland and uh, and possibly the world. We really appreciate what you're doing. We think it's great. And um, I can't wait to hear more about it as, it as it continues to roll out. So thank you for being on the show today. Thanks very much, Eliza. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to 1 in 59, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week. 